Good morning, everyone. My name is JB with NBW Ministries, proclaiming the clear, accurate, and urgent gospel message from my studio beneath the sky nestled here in the tall timbers of Colorado. It is Friday, September the 15th. Thank you so much for joining us. And today we've got uh, my good friend Shane, our, our resident technologist, joining us for the program. We're going to talk about can we trust the tech titans to protect us from AI? I'll say more about that in just a moment as I bring uh, Shane on. But before we do, just a couple of quick announcements. Uh, my wife and I are headed out to Fort Collins, Colorado today for a conference this weekend that starts tomorrow. Uh, you can learn more about that at notbyworks.org. As far as I know, it's not being live streamed, but it is a large conference. They're expecting a big crowd. Um, and I'm going to be recording my messages and be posting those uh, after each message. And then, of course, the conference will be recording the messages. And my understanding is they're going to make those available uh, pretty quick, uh, maybe early next week for all of the speakers. And uh, so you can kind of stay in touch with the conference website there, which is linked up at our website, notbyworks.org. Um, been a great week here at Not By Works. We've had some great discussions. We kicked it off uh, Monday uh, when I was pleased to be on the Worldview Matters program with David Fiorazzo. If you haven't checked that out, uh, you can check that out on our video page or the podcast page. Both of them are posted. And I encourage you to visit worldviewmatters.tv. That's uh, David Fiorazzo's website for the program. He's had several other guests on this week. A lot of good uh, fodder there. On uh, Tuesday, we uh, posted our Borders, the Bible, and Believers uh, video and podcast. That was an event that I did Monday night for TPUSA, the Castle Rock chapter, uh, and uh, really getting some great response to that. I hope you'll have time to check that out. The video, as we've mentioned, uh, did the, the live stream did not show the video slides, unfortunately, but we were able to capture those for the video. So the video is perfect. Uh, all, all the components are there. Uh, and of course, the audio podcast, if you'd rather listen to the audio, is also uh, posted. Uh, but that's called Borders, the Bible, and Believers, uh, how the globalists are trying to uh, tear down and dismantle borders and, and create this uh, one world system. Uh, Wednesday, we had Randy on for our world events update. Always enjoy my discussions with him. And uh, and other than that, yeah, just a quick word before I bring Randy on. You know, uh, I was reading in Proverbs, and it uh, talks about how even in laughter, the heart may sorrow, and the end of mirth may be grief. And it also talks about how a heart knows its own bitterness, and a stranger does not share its joy. These are from Proverbs chapter of 14 verses 10 and 13. And I'm just reminded that, uh, you know, everybody is, you know, dealing with their own burdens and their own joys and their own victories. And it's hard for us to really, even though we can empathize and so forth, it's hard for us to really climb inside the heart of others and see exactly where they are. And that's where the Holy Spirit comes in. If the Holy Spirit puts someone on your heart, uh, there's a reason for it, and you might want to just encourage them, give them a quick uh, shout out or text or phone call, and and just uh, the Lord puts people on your heart uh, for a reason. I spoke with a lady uh, just this week uh, from New Zealand uh, who scheduled an appointment to chat, and it was just uh, during that discussion that I was reminded of of just what a big world we live in, and yet there are so many uh, challenges and burdens and heartaches that people face, and so. Um, you know, as we navigate these unsettling times, we need to remember the promises of Scripture. And one of those from this same chapter of Proverbs is that the evil one day will bow down before before the good and the wicked at the gates of the righteous. And so 
Uh, obviously, the uh, <clears throat> global technocracy is on the rise. Uh, that's the subject of my new book. You can check that out at spiritofthefalseprophet.org, spiritofthefalseprophet.org. And by the way, we just launched, we haven't even uh, uh, mentioned it yet, we're going to be sending out emails uh, this week, but uh, we just launched a brand new online store. You know, I mentioned previously that we had an issue, uh, actually there was a global issue with Square here where it was down for 18 hours, affecting tens of thousands of merchants, and our store had been with Square for many years. And we've had ongoing frustrations with them and so forth. So we kind of used this uh, global failure of, of the software to uh, to kind of as an impetus to invest in a new store. So it's more expensive, but it's much, much nicer. And special shout out to Brooke for spending so many hours kind of getting it all lined up and ready. So check it out. You can check it out at notbyworks.org. Just click on the store banner there. And I am so impressed. It's just really well done. And it gives you a lot of capabilities that we did not have with the old store. So spread the word. And while you're there, pick up a copy of Spirit of the False Prophet, uh, which is also available on Amazon. Um, those books have not shipped yet. So I know some of you were, you know, Johnny on the spot ordered it right when we first made it available for pre-order. And you've been eagerly waiting for that book. We hope they will ship out early next week, which will be earlier than the promised date. We said they would ship by September 25th, uh, and that's still the, the the date that we're publicizing. But just uh, uh, just so you know, we do expect them to ship out about a week earlier than anticipated. So be on the lookout for that, spiritofthefalseprophet.org. Uh, and it's all about technology, which is what Shane and I are going to be talking about. But you know, just remember, as we watch this global technocracy unfold, that one day in the kingdom, all of these wicked, evil technocrats will bow before the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And that's why Proverbs 14.26 says, In the fear of the Lord there is strong confidence, and his children will have a place of refuge. And so uh, something tells me, Shane, that we're going to be need, need to be reminded of this place of refuge as we think about the latest developments uh, in AI. So uh, I guess I'll... First of all, welcome to the program, but I guess I'll start with uh, that question. Uh, can we trust the tech titans to protect us from all of this? these developments with AI? No, uh, I, I, don't, I don't believe so. Um, you know, part of it is is we are dealing with people who are not uh, filled with the Holy Spirit. They're not uh, believers. I don't know of any major tech leader who's a believer. Um, and having worked in that field for a significant portion of my life, I can tell you there's so many, you know, a majority of the people working in those fields are not believers. Mm. But no, I don't have any expectation of that. And then when you couple it with this isn't a niche area, uh, this is something that is going to invade every aspect of our lives. It is global. It is part of a new arms race between countries, between companies. On every level, this is going to be a tool that um, is going to be used sometimes for good, but, you know, very well could be used for evil. And, and that's a concern. As a matter of fact, the last thing I want to talk about today is one of those concerning stories. So mm -hmm. it's got, kind of interesting that, um, and just so everybody knows that, you know, I create my list of stories that I want to talk about. Uh, I don't communicate anything like about what I'm going to talk about to JB. And so it was interesting when he told me what the title was today, it fit in very well to the last mm -hmm. story I want to discuss. So I believe that's the Holy Spirit 
working and 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 making sure that his people are are wise you know that they'll have information they need amen now you have to remember i've got a weak heart shane so uh so you got to give us you always give us the red the the yellow and the green and the yeah. green is uh, kind of the good the yellow is could be good could be bad the the red is uh oh uh hold the, the stop the presses you know that kind of a thing so let's let's get some good news first is there any uh, positive things with ai out there absolutely and and some of these um uh, probably most everybody saw these. They they made uh, major headlines this weekend. And the first one is uh, a study that came out of Sweden where they took radiologists looking at cancer patients, um, particularly breast cancer patients, and were comparing the results of what radiologists alone could do, what a radiologist working together could do, what a radiologist teamed with an AI agent that is trained in reading uh, x-rays and, and, and CAT scans and so forth can do. And then, of course, what's the performance of an AI by itself? And so what they found was that if you had a radiologist and you paired that radiologist with an AI um, that is, again, trained to do this, it was more effective. They were more efficient than two human radiologists working together. Mm. Mm. So then they, um, uh, and, and just because somebody's going to wonder, well, how big of a sample set was it, right? How valid was this research? Um, it was 55,000 women. They were screening mammograms. And um, and so it, it's certainly a large enough size there. And again, what they found was that uh, simply pairing an inexpensive um, AI, these and these things are relatively inexpensive compared to human salaries. Um it uh, in this initial run performed four uh, percent better. Again, a human radiologist paired with an AI agent than two radiologists working together. Yeah, so I mean, just savings is going to drive things in in um, in this direction. Go yeah, and, and you've been very good all along about talking about how you know AI, particularly in the medical field, is uh, doing things and solving problems that we've not been able to solve ever. And it is a it can be positive in the new book in chapter six on artificial intelligence. I talk about one study. I don't think it's the same one you're talking about, but I don't give the details without looking up in the bibliography. Uh, it's just a passing comment in this section. But I talk about how a July 2023 study found that AI outperformed two thirds of radiologists in diagnosing patients. So I don't know what the details of that study were, but yeah, it can it can do things. Uh, you know, just in in terms of technology that the human eyes and so forth are not able to to accomplish absolutely and 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 this one doesn't surprise me this this article doesn't surprise me at all because probably seven or eight years ago saw a study where i forget for which type of cancer it was they had the the medical group that was recognized globally for being the best having the best radiologist in detecting this, these forms of cancer and they brought in a, compared to what we have today, a fairly primitive AI that was just trained in recognizing the, uh, the these distinctions, these super minute variations in shading from the imaging. And they handily, the AI handily beat this team of radiologists. When I say a team of radiologists, I want to say there were 15 to 20 people on that. Um, when you go to some of the larger uh, medical places, 
their the radiology departments when they assess the uh, the scans, some of them are quite big and they work in a in a group setting like that. Like I said, a good seven years ago, AI was already winning that race, yeah. and you know that's not an area that I follow that form of AI, um, but you know I'm I'm, I'm sure there have been some really good advances since then. This will absolutely be something that's involved in your medical care in the near future. Yeah, Dr. Alan Thompson, who I talk a lot about in the book, he's kind of a, a guru of AI. He said, AI is not regurgitating information, it's thinking. And that's really one of the dangers, which we'll, we'll get to in a moment, is this idea of AI kind of going rogue. But there are a lot of studies that obviously, as we've been talking about for several months now, indicate that with AI, a technology can outperform uh, human beings. In one study, ChatGPT outperformed medical students on a reasoning exam, which, as I comment in the book, probably says more about medical students than it does ChatGPT. But you know, with their reasoning ability. But yeah, you're seeing it, seeing it more and more, aren't we? Absolutely, and and so that ties into uh, into the next story. Um, what they found was that ChatGPT specifically um, was better than doctors, emergency room doctors at diagnosing patients um, in a trauma setting, right? So you're in an emergency room and, you know, you have to triage the patients and then, of course, treat them. And uh, this is this came out of uh, Europe and they found that OpenAI's ChatGPT performed just as well, if not better, than real-life medics when given the same doctor's notes of a patient. Wow. So in this study, um, it not super large. I, I think it was 30 patients. Um, and this was all from an emergency room in, in uh, 2022. And they um, uh, they took the physician's notes. So they, you know, they knew what the patients uh, came in with. They had the doctor's notes. They had, of course, the, uh, the diagnosis by the doctor. And so they entered that information into ChatGPT, trained it um, on two versions, the previous 3.5 version and then the latest 4.0 version um, or, you know, at that time. And um, and then the chatbots came up based upon the symptoms and so forth, um, a list of possible diagnosis for the patient. And then it was compared to what the doctors had come up with as possible uh, issues based upon the symptoms. And um, basically there was a 60% overlap between these lists of possible diagnoses. So chat GPT is certainly reasoning uh, just like the doctors would in that, in that setting. Yeah. It's uh it's pretty scary. I, 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 another thought popped into my mind and I, I think I mentioned it on a recent podcast, but I, I do so many and have and been doing so many different uh, interviews and discussions with a new book coming out. I can't remember how recent it was. So forgive me uh, listeners, if this is repetitious, but uh, there was a first of its kind study that was done by Google and Osaka University in Japan uh, in basically that involved music and how AI powered uh, an AI powered tool can replicate music that people are listening to simply by observing the brain scans. And so what they did is they they analyzed brain imaging data from people who were listening to music and after examining the data, AI was able to produce a song that matched the genre, the rhythm, the mood, the instrumentation of the music. I mean, that's pretty freaky. I mean, that's like, 
actually brain actually reading your mind i mean that that's scary they did another one where it could it could uh decode speech from your brain activity so uh people would listen to words and then from simply looking at uh the brain activity ai was able to kind of say what you heard with fairly good accuracy so yeah this is uh this is a whole new frontier yeah so it's kind of funny you bring up the uh music reading of the mind that, that that's actually one of the items here and that's is down in the red but since we're talking about it, we're, we're going to move it up here, and I don't know what color green and red produce when we mix them, but that's that's what this next story is. They produce so, Christmas. So, yeah. <laughs> I don't think this is Christmas. Um, <laughs> <laughs> differently. But, um, yeah, so so they, um, in, in that study, if I remember correctly, they were playing music from Pink Floyd. Mm. And so they knew the source, right? They knew what, what the input was. They did the brain scans. And I'm sure there's a, a time synchronization between this moment in the scan um, and then where are they at in the song and drew that correlation and then could reproduce the, uh, the music using that data from the brain scan. And it, you know, it, it sounded like a poor version of the song, but you knew what song it was. Mm, yeah. You know, it wasn't random notes. It wasn't, wasn't bad. Um, and they do that same thing, you know, with, of course, with uh, uh, words that you're reading, with language, and also just with images that you're thinking about. They can um, reproduce that different type of AI yeah. involved there. But yeah, but we are we are absolutely at that point of them being able to read our minds. Yeah, I mean, I don't want to get too far afield of your list here, but this really has powerful implications for pre-crime, which is something I talk a lot about in the book. And and in a way, isn't this like a much more advanced form of polygraph tests where essentially you're taking your uh, your biological data and drawing conclusions based on the metrics as to what's going through your, your mind? And a follow-up to that would be, doesn't that pose all sorts of problems because the mind is pretty complex and sometimes it does things that are not consistent and you might think of something that's not consistent or you might be scared when you have no reason to be scared or you might feel guilty when you have no reason to feel guilty, those kinds of things. So it's it's it seems to me that this technology is trying to quantify with uh, you know ab- absolute perfection something that is really complex, isn't it? Absolutely. And and by the way, in in my opinion here, this is not an extension of the polygraph, which okay. is a very questionable piece of technology to begin with. Um, we've leaped way beyond this with the ability to read minds. This is science fiction. This is stuff like the science fiction writer Philip K. Dick would dream up. Mm-hmm. Um, this, this is stunning. Yeah, yeah, it it's really stunning. is. And, and what happens to privacy then? With the polygraph, I still get to make a choice as to whether I'm going to answer, how I'm going to answer, things of that nature. But if there's a way, and, and they're not they're not here yet, um, but if there's a way in the future to more passively read your thoughts, somebody asks you a question, and typically, even if I'm not going to answer you, in my mind, I've worked through the issue, you know, what my answer might be. I'm simply making a choice to not vocalize that 
But what if you can read that from me? The invasions of privacy are unimaginable. Oh yeah, I mean, and and Proverbs, you know, talks about how you know you should you know hold your peace and not speak, and of course James says be slow to speak and so forth. But you know, let's be honest. Often we we're in conversations, we're witnessing things that we see, and we're thinking to ourselves, "Boy, that person's an idiot," or "Boy, that person's a jerk," or you know, "Man, you know that person's you know needs a bath or something," you know, whatever it might be. And if that private thought in our mind, even if they're not good. I mean, obviously we're held accountable for our thinking, but that's between us and God, but it's a whole new world. If, if those are suddenly readily available to everyone, you know? Well, absolutely. I and mean, then when you think about it in the context of um, say the government accusing mm-hmm. you of something and you're saying, where's the evidence? And they say, well, we have this brain scan. How in the world could you trust that? Yeah. We're already at a point where you can't trust what you hear and what you see. Um, you know, what's next? Yeah. And even if the data is accurate, obviously, as you just said, the interpretation is completely suspect, but they could fabricate the data, you know, just like they do with, uh, you know, polygraphs. I'm with you on polygraphs. They are completely unreliable uh, and, uh, and, and, and easily manipulated. And like everything else in the criminal justice system, they're corrupt. So it doesn't take much to pay off a polygrapher and, and have him give results that aren't accurate. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, it's, and, and then one more thing on this mind control stuff and mind reading stuff, it works both ways. I mean, I'm sure you're familiar with the whole uh, TI, targeted individuals, and that whole realm of discussion. Uh, fascinating to me. I've done some research on it and, and talked to some people about it, uh, but it really recently came up again. And not only can they, using this type of technology, purport to read what's in your mind, but they can plant ideas in your mind. So it kind of works both directions. And and it really, and of course, that's something that they've been toying with for decades, not just through technology, but through psychology, through biology, through chemicals. Uh, so I tell you what, it really is a battle for the mind. We know that from scripture and uh, the mind is the seat of the of the will and the emotions and, and it's who we really are. And so to the extent that Satan is attacking the image of God and man, he's going after the, the mind. Absolutely. And, and there's a, uh, I'm not, I'm sure there's multiple technologies I don't know one of those technologies that they can use to speak to you, even though there's no sound coming, there's you know, your, your ears not involved. They're beaming it straight into your head. It's called the voice of God. <laughs> uh, it's a kind of satanic sounding wow. uh, tool, but uh, I've, I've seen the testimony of people who uh, had that kind of technology used on them mm. and it sounds demonic. Mm. This is, this is wickedness. And and going back to this uh, mind reading technology, um, you know, this is the we're we're about to enter into that phase of thought crime from Orwell's 1984. Mm. I remember recently seeing, and you've probably seen this video too, many of the listeners have, of a lady in England who was, as I remember, uh, silently, peacefully uh, praying outside of an abortion clinic there, and police approached her and um, was asking what she was doing. And um, she said, I'm, I'm standing here or I'm, you know, kind of minding my own business. And the police officer asked her, are you praying about, um, you know, this abortion clinic? And as I remember, she 
she said possibly or something like that and they arrested her <laughs> that, that's that's that very definition of orwell's thought crimes uh, um so yeah we're you know the, the the good news i don't want i don't want to cause panic here there's still a lot of technical hurdles to make this kind of of a uh, technology practical you know this is this is not something trivial the the person out in the street is not going to use this technology right now but given sufficient time this could be a real problem yeah wow yeah, I mean, it's it really is a, a revolution of sorts. Uh, I, I subscribed uh, over the course of the last year to my while I was working on the book to several uh, newspapers and magazines that uh, it's just part of the research. Uh, and um, one of them is The Economist and the latest issue of The Economist that the cover article and the cover title is how AI can revolutionize science. So it's not it's no longer that AI is science or the latest evolution of science. AI is actually, you know, using science or, or impacting science. It's really subtle, you know. There, there could be a, some new sciences that emerge. Mm. Can't quite grasp right now, but AI might be a tool that could um, do in very short order what might take human scientists decades or a century even to to, yeah. to work. Yeah, I just so, want to know, you know, going back to that study in England uh, with uh the, the emergency rooms can, you know, can AI actually help them get people from the waiting room into the doctors, uh, seeing the doctor more quickly? Because that seems to be the biggest hurdle that never has been solved. Well, so that's that, you know, that is a good use case for this. If you increase the speed mm. um, of diagnoses and you reduce false positives, false positives and false negatives, that's a very powerful tool and that will improve patient care. Mm -hmm. That part's good. Yeah. Um, the, um, you know, we're just going to have to see where some of these other uh, things head. And I, I want to throw in one other point, even though I was, I was trying to comfort everybody by saying the mind reading technology isn't very practical right now. Um, we we're talking about, you know, thought crimes and, and that ability of, of uh, the government at some point to simply fabricate and tell everybody what you were thinking. Well, here's one I've been toying with in my mind, and this is very fringe, I'll admit. So everybody should probably stop the podcast right now and li not listen to a, a thing I'm going to say. <laughs> but what if you had that mind-reading technology coupled with the voice of God? They could give real data in that this is what you're thinking from the AI reading your mind, but if they're planting the thoughts in your mind, they yeah. can make you think and can and could possibly record and use as evidence what you think about even though they're the source for those thoughts oh yeah it's it's like a whole new level of planting evidence you know it's it's one thing to, to throw a gun down at a scene and claim you know put fingerprints on it or something but now they can plant the thoughts and then access the thoughts that they planted and and uh i mean it's just it really is orwellian uh in in every sense of the word i mean Absolutely. Um, so, so, uh, so, yeah. So, we, we won't mention that one later. We, we uh, giving a little taste of what's coming on the on the red section, the bad section of these stories. Uh, now we're in this 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 uh, yellow phase here in the stories. Um, could be good, could be bad. And the first one, um, this um, was that Nasdaq, the the stock exchange, uh, got SEC approval for the first AI-controlled um, exchange order type. Mm. So 
So the U.S. Securities and Exchange Commission um, gave NASDAQ the ability to use AI for, and, and I'm not familiar with the financial side here, um, um, for the um, an AI-driven order type called the Dynamic Midpoint Extended Life Order. I have no idea what that is, um, but uh, what, um, what NASDAQ is going to start doing is, since they've got approval now is they will use AI to facilitate those kind of transactions. Um, you know, how risky is this one? I don't know. When you, when you look at the technology that's involved in the stock market, um, some of the most cutting-edge technology is used by the, the, those clearinghouses and so forth. Um, while, to my knowledge, they don't have AI running in production there, over the years, I have met a few people who worked on those systems. And let me say, first off, these are sharp people. Um, you know, some of the, the greatest technical minds there are. And some of the systems they've created and the technology that's been implemented um, for especially things like high-frequency trading, mm. Um where they, they make money off of these um, fractional trades that take place in a fraction of a second. Um, and then in the aggregate, they make a lot of money um, based on tiny movements of that stock price. Um, you know, they've had some incredible technology for a while. Um, we're gonna have to watch, keep an eye on this one. Uh, this, this will probably be a good thing. Uh, when you talk about what you know how this is being employed. It's a very focused application of AI, so this one's probably going to be okay. But keep an eye on it. Yeah, you never know. I mean, time is money for sure, especially at the top levels. You know, every second counts. But uh, there's something just unsettling about ceding control of the decisions to AI, which essentially is what it sounds like they're doing. It's like you know, you 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 got AI that can you know, analyze the data more quickly than you can and make decisions, you know, in real time. Well, I mean, as long as those decisions are favorable, <laughs> great. But what if it turns on you, which is is kind of what this whole discussion's about? Yeah, well, I think the more likely scenario there, and and again, I'm just expressing my opinion here, is that um, those who are in control of these exchanges um, who have been making unbelievable sums of money for decades and decades off of high frequency training, uh, trading, will um, will now be able to make even more money with AI. And so then a question comes in: Is um, are they being fair and beneficial to everyone with this technology? And and that answer is going to be no. Um, let's be clear: you and I don't get any advantage from things like high frequency trading. Mm -mm. that makes them more money. So the exploitive possibility is high. Mm -hmm. it really is. Yeah. Well, so um, I don't know if I agree that I'd put that in the yellow, but we'll, we'll leave it there for now. Um, what, what else have you got? Well, this one, and, and this one could go into uh, a few different places. Um, I stuck it in the yellow. Um the self-driving cars are becoming more and more common, especially on the West Coast. And so uh, there are a number of videos, you can find these on X, which used to be called Twitter, um, where people are attacking self-driving cars with hammers. 
Uh, this isn't particularly new. When, when some of the first Teslas came out and were testing their very limited self-driving capability, I remember reading stories of people attacking the cars. Um, well, this is going on in San Francisco. Um, recently, uh, uh, a man uh, attacked a self-driving car with a hammer. Now, I didn't want to temper it with it's also San Francisco. And, and right. <laughs> things happening there, maybe this isn't that big of a deal. Um, but a few years ago, there's a group called Safe Street Rebels, and they don't like cars, period. And they have been doing what's called coning. So you know those those orange traffic pylons, yeah. kind of rubber type things? They take them and they place them on the hood of a Tesla. And it does something to the sensors. I don't know if it's blocking a sensor or causing them uh, some other form of interference with one another, but the car will not drive. <laughs> Um, and you and you've probably seen things like the the people that put the salt circle around the Tesla, right? It's out in the parking lot, and they poured out a trail of salt and made a circle around it, and it caused the Tesla to not be willing to do anything. The sensors interpreted that as as something bad, something you know concerning, so that it does not act like um, the car would normally act when the owner was trying to get into it. So you know, I think this is going to be uh, as to what color it should be. It's going to be up to you. Um, but people are starting at least with self-driving cars to rebel against it. Yeah. And, you know, on that note, and and, and going back to what you're always good about reminding us the, of the positive applications of this type of technology, uh, you know, new cars now, um, we, we all of our cars have over 100,000 miles on them, but uh, it one of them is that's just because we travel a lot. So one of them is a 2021, but it's got over 100,000 miles. We bought it new, but it's uh, it has that technology that a lot of the new cars, probably all of them have now to where when you're on cruise control on the highway and it comes up against a car in front of you, it approaches a car that's in the lane in, in front of you, it automatically slows down. And so, it, I mean, it will decelerate. So you cannot possibly run into that, uh, to that car. And when I first started, uh, when I first started driving this car, it was, took a little bit to get used to, but now I've become so dependent on that. I was driving one of our other cars recently that doesn't have that technology and I nearly hit the car in front of us. Cause I'm thinking, why am I not slowing down? Why am I not slowing down? And then I go, Oh, wait a minute. There's a brake pedal. I can manually slow this down, but it is, it is, uh, you know, it is helping with uh, driving technology, you know, the sensors on the side when there's someone in your blind spot, parking, you know, to help assistance with parking and that. Kind of, so there are a lot of things that I think have made us safer and better. Uh, but, uh, but yeah, of course, you know, it works both ways. Yeah. So, so yeah, so we'll have to keep, keep an eye on that. Um, I'm certainly not against self-driving cars. I think that is a good use case for AI, but um yeah, well, let's see. Let's see how society adapts to this as they become more common. Yeah. All right. This next one, I think this is one Randy sent me. Actually, um, it was a question he had uh, over the weekend about as AI continues to grow and um, for AI to grow, it requires more computational power. Compute is is you know what it's typically called for, uh, called, uh, referred to as, and. For you to have those kind of data centers, that kind of compute power available, it takes a lot of electricity. Right? It's a very power-intensive uh, process to train these AI models and to run them. So Randy sent me the, um, a story on a physics-based self-learning machine that could completely replace our current approaches 
to artificial networks and use less energy. Um, and, and this is a very serious group doing it. It's researchers at the Max Planck Institute for the Science of Light. Uh, sounds pretty uh, like, like a lot of smart people there if they're uh, looking at stuff like that. And they believe they've got a uh, method um, that I'm, I'm sure will soon be uh, tested where they implemented something called neuromorphic computing. Can't speak too much about that because I've never heard of it before. Um, and this is some very, very cutting edge technology. But uh, in this concept, they have self-learning physical machines um, and it can optimize the synapses, right? Which is what a neural network, you know, AI uh, artificial neural network tries to do. Um, but this thing can optimize its synapses independently and, and it allows a, a different training process. Um, and what they, um, what they believe this will lead to is that uh, they will be able to come up with neural networks that are more capable than our current ones are. But key thing is they use less power. So we'll see what, what this does. Um, there's a, um, a German statistics company called uh, Statista. You've probably seen um, people send links to you that might have some, some charts from them. And they uh, are, are estimating, I don't think OpenAI, the company behind ChatGPT, um, has actually released anything on this, but the uh, GPT-3 models um, to train them, not to operate them, but just that process of training them um, would require 1,000 megawatt hours, which is the equivalent of the annual consumption of 200 uh, German households with three or more people in them. Mm. Mm. So so just the, the power consumption, just to, to, to get the model to where you could even have somebody use it, is significant. So I think we'll see a lot of work in, in various disciplines uh, of trying to reduce the power consumption of these AI models. Part of yeah. it would just better technology, but there could be some other architectural changes that improve this. Yeah, no, I, that's fascinating. And it's one of the reasons why I have always not been, you know, too bullish on the whole concept of an EIP as a, as a leading threat. And, you know, Randy and I have talked about this a lot. He's a little more bullish on it than I am. But I just know that, especially after the research I did for Rise of the Global Technocracy, uh, that the the Luciferians depend on power and electricity for a lot of the tools that they're rolling out, the tools of a full-spectrum planetary control. And so it would really cripple them in many ways to, to kind of take down the grid. Now, that's not to say that some rogue element or some one outside the the realm of the you know the the key luciferians that are trying to usher in the new world order might not use it or it's not to say they might the luciferians themselves might not use it in a regional limited sense but i don't lay awake at night worrying about one day we're going to wake up and the whole country is going to be without power and everything is going to be fried and we're going to be sent back into the dark ages i just the way i see this trajectory moving with uh, with with technology and how integrated it is into the luciferian plan of ushering in a one world system i just have a hard time seeing that being their weapon of choice but uh yeah i mean uh it's interesting uh th these neural networks i i remember a, a comment that jeffrey hinton you know he's the godfather of ai they call him he's the one that quit google i think over this uh, but in july of this year he said digital neural networks which is ai 
may be a much better form of intelligence than biological neural networks, which is the human brain. And that's that's transhumanism in a nutshell. That's what they're striving to accomplish. Absolutely. Um, and and that kind of sentiment is very common in the major tech leaders and you know people who aren't necessarily tech leaders but are are the global elites. Um, you'll you'll hear these kind of comments from them. So um now, one thing I, I do want to say, you know, we were talking about whether or not the elites would use uh, essentially the, the grid as a, as a method of control. Um, you know, this this push to get all of us on electricity, no gas stoves, no gas cars, no gas home heaters, you know, so on and so forth. Um, you know, maybe that's to um, be able to dynamically divert electricity to things that they want, such as maybe a, an AI system could, to control a population, um, which would be part of the, you know, part of it. There's a lot more than just an AI system that be needed to control the population. I, I think there is a real risk with um, how we are centralizing everything on electricity. Oh, no question. Yeah, I, no, I, that's... Uh, yeah, there's no question that that's part of the control plan, but uh, which is exactly why I don't think they're going to fry all of the circuit boards with an EMP because they it is central to their uh, to their to their plan. But you're right; they you know they can't stop you from hopping on your your four wheeler and fleeing to the mountains because yeah. you've got you know gas and you've got what you need. But if everything's electric, all they have to do is flip a switch and they can control it. And of course you know, with the whole beast system that they're rolling out, they can control it down to the person level. So they can stop you from using your car or your electricity or your heat or whatever. Uh, but yeah, that, I think that's that's the ulterior motive. It's certainly not about, you know, global warming and, you know, rescuing the planet and so forth. In fact, a lot of these, you know, uh, all, all, alternative forms of energy actually end up using uh, you know, the same power, like the guy who, you know, uh, ran out of, uh, needed a generator to run his windmill or something like that, you know, needed a gas generator to run his windmill. So, you know, it's just, uh, uh, but yeah, I think you're spot on there, Shane. I think that this is a ultimate uh, nefarious plan. Yeah, it is. So this next story, I, I, I went back and forth um, as to whether or not to bring it up today. And just given some of the other things we've discussed, I'm going to go ahead and throw it out there. Um, I want to put in a big disclaimer. Um, here's my disclaimer. I've not been able to verify this information. So this might not be uh, correct, but I think it's. Uh, I think it probably is. There's a, a video clip going around on social media showing a guy who is sitting, it looks like a porch swing, sitting outside of a, a house, as I remember, and he's holding a, he's got an app running on his phone. He holds his phone at arm, arm's length and, and records him saying uh, some things. He had to train the AI for, with 30 seconds of speech. So, you know, so he talked for just a little bit till it had collected, the app had collected enough speech. Um, and then it was able to uh, recreate his voice in real time. So then he would give whatever the message was he wanted. And he's a native English speaker. And so then the AI was able to take the speech patterns that it had recorded earlier and 
duplicate the sound of his voice, but translate it into other languages and, th and, and basically dub that over. Now, you know, that's a little bit interesting, but it's really not that cutting edge. But what this thing also does in real time, in addition to suddenly allowing you to say something in German or, or whatever the language is, it modified the video so that your lips were in sync with the audio. Whoa. <laughs> and part of, you know, part of me is wondering, is this really capable on, on a phone? Mm -hmm. um, and in real time, I, you know, I don't know, but... Uh, but clearly that type of thing is coming. I've, I've seen other videos um, where, if I remember correctly, this was NVIDIA. Uh, they're chip manufacturers, uh, mostly known for their GPUs, which is a type of processor that is used in training AI systems. And I think this is something you could download uh, right now, where it will uh, interpret the video feed. So you're, you know, I'm on camera with you. Um, so if I look down... What this could do, maybe I'm reading something, could be reading it verbatim, but the AI will will create <laughs> eyes for me that are making eye contact with you through the webcam. So it looks like I'm looking at you, but my eyes are really pointing down and I'm reading. And, wow. and I am I am 99% sure I actually saw this as a download on their website. Um, I didn't test it because my hardware wasn't good enough to uh, to run it, but this is coming. Wow, that is unreal. Well, you know, I think I think it's today, if I remember the date right, September fifteenth, that uh, Apple comes out with their new uh, new uh, uh, operating system, and it's got. I think we talked about this before. That new tool called Voice Bank, where you can bank your voice for just the kind of thing you're saying. But what's different about what you're what you came across, if it if it's true and if it works is the part about it simulating your your mouth so that it it actually uh, so i mean simulating voices has been around for decades i mean that's the way they were able to fake the phone calls from the planes on 911 that's fbi even a bit finally admitted that uh that you can't make phone extended phone calls at 35 40,000 feet over 10 minute time you know and so you know, they had several uh, examples of voice simulations, and that's been going around for a while. I remember Colin Powell was you know, shown a display or a test uh, case in one case, and it sounded like him. Uh, so, uh, so that you're right. This is not necessarily cutting edge. The part about simulating your voice, but being able to then simulate your tone and your the sound of your voice in another language and have your video adjusted to so that it looks like that. I mean, this is. I mean, this is quintessential blurring of the distinction between reality and fiction. We're not going to know. In fact, I'm not even sure I'm really talking to you, Shane. Is that really you? Or are you are you out playing golf somewhere while you've got your, your embodied AI standing in for us today? Maybe this is a part of the dead internet theory. So you, you yeah. look at it online. I, I think we've discussed it, but... Yeah, um, we did. <laughs> but uh, yeah, it, it, this, is, um, this is unsettling. And, and let me say this. The the video, and I'm assuming this is real. Okay, on, on it being able to modify, um, you you know your your lips to sync with the words coming out. But I, I don't remember what language in the demo he was uh, he was speaking afterwards. That the AI was speaking, I should say. But it looked good. Yeah. Well, no, I, you I, know I, what, what comes to my mind is they'll use this in the entertainment industry. So yeah. when they dub movies over into another foreign language, 
you know, they'll they'll actually look like they were saying the words that they're saying. Absolutely. I bet Hollywood and Bollywood and all of that are all over this kind of technology. Yeah. 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 I mean, they've already been using AI like the new was it the new no, it was the new Harrison Ford movie that used AI to make him look younger in many of the scenes. Um, So it's crazy. Yep, absolutely. So again, I'm going to bring up Philip K. Dick. Um, He, in this area, was very, very prescient in his writings. Mm. Uh, We're we're, we're at that point. Mm. So here's the point where we are right now. We're moving into the red category. Um, uh, These are stories that uh, do definitely concern me. So this first one, and we've talked about this in past episodes, but the ongoing debate as to whether or not these AI systems are conscience, right? Are, are they essentially people, right? Um, not just reasoning machines, but something closer to living. So a, um, a new group of uh, uh, computer scientists, researchers, uh, philosophers, uh, there were some neuroscientists in there because they're always going to be involved with, with AI kind of research because we're trying to duplicate what God created in the human brain. And they are not saying necessarily that AI is currently sentient, uh, not like the the former Google engineer, uh, Blake uh, Lemoyne, I think is how you pronounce his last name, claimed that Lambda, which is an earlier AI model that uh, Google was working with was conscious. It was sentient, um, and it wanted to live. It, you know, it had fears and emotions. They're not. They're not saying what he's saying. But they're saying we we're really close. Everybody needs to get ready um, for conscience. You know, essentially living AI, not biologically living, but on that intellectual and emotional side, um, it could be a it could be alive mm. um, in the near future. In the near future. Um, whether or not that's possible, I, I don't know. I still struggle to to believe that uh, uh, we're going to achieve anything that's similar to the type of consciousness that we possess. Um, but could you have some sort of alien form of consciousness? Well, that's possible because I believe when I look at animals, even down to certain insects, I think there's a certain form of consciousness there, not like ours, but it's something that God equipped that creature with. Could we maybe simulate that here? Possibly. Yeah, I think you're right. Um, you know, th- this is going to sound crude, but one of the, the applications of, you know, AI is particularly a- embodied AI or androids or whatever you want to call them in the end times in Bible prophecy is just the, the, the sheer ability to control people. Uh, I mean, it's one thing to have an army of goons, which is what other tyrants and dictators have done, uh, you know, through the years. Um but human beings, uh, as your goons, are are kind of messy. I mean, if you, if a if a human being dies or gets killed in battle, I mean, there's there's blood, there's there's the whole biology of it. You've got to do something with the bodies. I mean, look at what's tragically happening. Uh, where is it in Libya right now with all these uh, bodies? I mean, so it's it's messy. But with a with a drone, I mean, with a droid, you can. You know, if, if you if a drone breaks down or dies or it's blown up in some uh, some uh, enterprise that you're you're attacking a certain region or trying to go in and take over a certain region of the world, the way the Antichrist and false prophet will be doing during the tribulation, uh, no big deal. You just roll out another one off the assembly line, and there's no blood, there's no nothing messy like that. You just toss them in the junk pile, and so uh, I just I feel like they are 
this has been their goal. It's certainly been Satan's goal since he got kicked out of heaven, and his earthly accomplices have been working, especially in the modern era, you know, as fast as they can to create a life that they think will be better than human beings, but it will be to what end? Uh, you know, you read some of the literature out there and they they act like, oh, this is just because we want to achieve immortality or we want to live forever. Or we want to overcome disease and that kind of thing. Don't be fooled. It's much more nefarious than that. They want to defeat God and take over uh, this world and call it their own. Yeah, yeah that, that, that aspect of this is very dark. Um, should be concerning. It is definitely uh, the tip of the spear with what's coming in the great tribulation. Um, we are, we are seeing some real wickedness out of, uh, some of these elites, these tech leaders, um, politicians, things of that nature. They absolutely want that in their writings and their conversations. They're, they're publicly admitting now that in their estimation, most of us are useless mm-hmm. or worthless and they want to replace us with something better, but first they have to control us. Mm-hmm. You said it. All right, so last thing I have for today is, um, and and I want to preface this with, this is more of a proof of concept. Uh, There's there's no actual risk right now, okay? But uh, this came out of the New York Post, uh, a um, program I believe I had mentioned, maybe months ago, it's been a a while, um, that I was playing with called AutoGPT. AutoGPT is a uh, series of essentially Python scripts that run, which is a programming language, that run locally on your computer. And you can give AutoGPT up to five goals, five things you want it to accomplish. And, um, And it will do its best to go out there and do that. Because it's running locally on your computer, one of the things it has is access to the internet. Um, And you also configure it so that it can uh, talk to, in this case, it was ChatGPT. Um, and so the, you you watch the AI running. I gave it a programming task is what I was trying to uh, get it to do. And, and it ran for a while and it was fascinating. Um, I could see it querying uh, the GPT engine to have it reason certain things. And it would then go out on the internet and uh, get some information and would feed that back to GPT and would take that input and was trying to accomplish the goals I gave it. Now, it didn't work, okay? So from that standpoint, it was a failure, but it was fascinating because it gave a real glimpse into into what's coming. Um, I fully expect to see uh, things kind of like AutoGPT embedded in our cell phones, you know, any day now. Any year now, it's it's really close, and so you would give your phone certain goals like this to accomplish for you, and between the computing ability that's on the phone, which is pretty incredible, right? When you compare the compute available in any cell phone on the market today compared to what NASA used uh, for the moon missions, not even a comparison. The cell phone blows NASA away back in the '60s or '70s even. Um, so so between its compute power, then also over the internet, being able to go to cloud AI systems and use some of that compute and some of that expertise, it's, you know, it's going to be a, a real game changer. 
Well, so somebody has taken uh, uh, AutoGPT, modified the source code, and come out with uh, a product they call Chaos GPT. And, and it's essentially, it's, it's AutoGPT with any uh, safety uh, engineering removed from it. And so they gave in this test, Chaos GPT, five goals, like I mentioned before. And these five goals were destroy humanity, this is a dark list. Destroy humanity. Second one was, was establish global dominance. Third one was cause chaos and destruction. Fourth, control humanity through manipulation. And fifth, attain immorality. Um, hmm. Got to start off with that. That list sounds pretty demonic. It's, it sounds right, like right out of scripture. I mean, it's it's Satan's resume, basically. It's Satan's CV, uh, you know, his whole MO, deception, manipulation, destroying humanity, and taking over the world. And, and, and to be clear, um, these goals were given to it by the human, not by the AI. Um, but so just like I was describing and trying to see what AutoGPT could produce for me when it came to coding... Um, they had Chaos GPT go out and do research and figure out the best way to accomplish this. And so on, you know, maybe points one and two, destroy humanity for the first one, and then second one, establish a global dominance. Well, even the third one, uh, cause chaos and destruction. Um, the bot began to go to the internet and do research on the most destructive weapons available to humanity. Mm -hmm. And they came back and said, yeah, back from the Soviet uh, Union era, there was the Sara bomb. And when you look at those online, the uh, nuclear strike simulators and stuff, that's the bomb that always does the most damage. The only way in these you know, simulations, right, to get something more destructive would be a meteor strike. Hmm. And so it says, yeah, let's go get this. Um, and um, came up with some level of plan to accomplish these goals. Now, again, I want to stress that this is um, a demonstration. Chaos GPT can't do any of these things, but it is reminiscent of a movie I saw that, that influenced me tremendously when it came to technology called War Games. It came out in the, I don't know, mid-80s, maybe, late 80s. Mm -hmm. uh, Matthew Broderick was, was the actor, and in this, uh, this, this uh, kid was able to hack into a Department of Defense mainframe at the time and was able to um, uh, invoke what we can only describe as an AI. They didn't, I don't think they called it that in the movie, but it's this AI that interacted with him and was playing a game. And to win the game, it was going to launch nuclear weapons. And we were defenseless. I think humankind was defenseless against it. And then finally the AI uh, at the end uh, came up with a reasonable alternative that the only way to win this game of war is to not play it. And so then there's a de-escalation and the movie ends. Um, and if I just spoiled the plot for anybody, I apologize. But that came out a long time ago, so I don't feel too bad about it. But it, I got to admit, when I read this, I had some flashbacks to that movie. It really reminds me of a of a forewarning or a, or maybe a, 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 a echo of, of, of what might be coming. Yeah, so this you know comes full circle to the question we started with: Can we trust the tech titans to protect us from AI? And and I realize what you're saying here that this was a simulation; it was you know humans giving it the prompts and so forth. But we have other examples out there of AI going rogue, where once you give it 
access to the internet, there's no telling what it could come up with. And then, you know, it's just a matter of it accessing uh, systems. You don't, you know, you don't need a person to build a bomb. You just need technology to act to hack into these uh, systems. Wendy and I were watching a show last night uh, where you know it hacked into a major network, and it was it was it was brand new. This uh, this show had just come out that day. It just dropped in in uh, streaming. I won't mention the name of the show because I don't want to give any undue publicity uh, out there to these uh, some of these shows. But it's it's fascinating because in the plot, you know, it hacked in and it it accessed everything in the entire high rise building, cell phones, you name it, and people were talking you know, and kind of under their breath because they had realized that everything was being, you know, hacked into. And that one of the one, one of the folks had a phone and the phone it just automatically repeated exactly what that person had just said. So like they had hacked in, they'd heard it, and then they caused it to record it and say it again. So this kind of stuff can happen. So it, it really begs the obvious question, what what's to prevent these, you know, this chaos, uh, what was it, chaos GPT? Is that what it was called? Yeah. Yeah, by the way, what a name. I mean, that's straight out of, you know, Satan's, you know, MO. I mean, he's the God of chaos. God's the God of order. He wants to tear down so he can build back better, you know, uh, to quote some of his earthly minions. Uh, but uh, what's to stop it from, you know, coming up, giving itself a prompt and then actually trying to accomplish that? It, if trying to, trying to, capture the words I want to use here. It's a great question. Um, what we are having to rely on at the moment is a combination of um, limitations of the technology. Okay, if the technology is limited enough, it can't go rogue on us. Um, so currently, we do have some of those limitations in place. Um, so it's a combination of that. And then the safety and security engineering that goes into these other systems, um, even including things like, so let, let's, you know, I brought up the movie War Games and what takes place at the military level with the um, nuclear silos. Um, so in a case like this, I'm less worried about a single AI, kind of like a chaos GPT, doing what, you know, we saw in the movie War Games, right? It's not going to necessarily be able to hack in and and launch those nukes. They keep those very separate from the rest of the world, including networks, for a reason. But if you have some sort of multimodal AI, which we've got plenty of those, where it can operate in different realms, right? So ChatGPT is, is for text-based, but you have tools like Midjourney or Dolly for, uh, for, for images. And, and we've already talked about the uh, AIs that duplicate your voice and, and can... Um, you know, manipulate video even. Um, so what happens if you had AIs that have different abilities, you know, different modalities that they operate in, somehow working in concert to manipulate people? Um, you know, that fourth bullet point of their goal, control humanity through manipulation. What if you're able to somehow manipulate people that turn the key and push the button to launch the nukes? Yeah. I mean, that's what, uh, you know, Satan's MO has been from the beginning is to lie. Has God really said, and you will not surely die. And Klaus Schwab, as I quote in my books, has come right out and said that the easiest way to get people to come along with the Great Reset is through manipulation and narratives that that are compelling and, and made up and, and 
get them to come along. But, you know, again, going back, I don't want to sound too alarmist here, but going back to the nuclear silo thing, we already have examples of what I believe are demonic forces and, and fallen angels and, and the evil spirits in the celestial realm shutting down nuclear silos. I mean, that's on record. It's mainstream. There have been hearing, congressional hearings about it. Um, who's to say they can't activate them if they can shut them down? And, you know, that gets into this sort of, co, you know, coalescence of technology with demonology and technology. And we've talked about this on a previous program. Can uh, demons or evil spirits impact you know, inanimate beings and non-biological beings? And the answer is absolutely they can. So, I mean, you got so, multiple scenarios. Like you just said, you can have AI manipulate human people at the controls so that they'll type in the launch code. But you've also got the technology where they can hack in just like they do to the voting systems and, you know, push a few keys and change it. So maybe it looks like the codes were entered. Uh, but you, you got, to me, there's just too many... Uh, scenarios, which, you know, if if my, you know, going back to the theme for our program today, can we trust the tech titans to protect us from AI? If my hope were in Elon Musk or Ray Kurzweil or Bill Gates, man, it's game over as far as I'm concerned, because those guys are pretty evil. Uh, I don't trust them, period. But obviously our trust is in the Lord, and we know that he's ultimately in control. And all of these uh, things, like I, I talk about in the book and the chapter on AI, are really a futile, no weapon formed against God will prosper. Um, but it's it's very relevant and I think important, which is why we have you on, for people to be aware of what's happening. Because if the Lord doesn't come back soon, we're going to be living in you know war games, which by the way, that came out in 1983, so 40 years ago, um, which is uh, just amazing how how they telegraph what's coming. Uh, Hollywood has had a long-standing connection to DARPA, the CIA, the military. So it's it really is a you know a way that the Luciferians like to expose what they're planning in subtle ways. Uh, I've said it a hundred times. You know, art imitates life. Don't ever let anyone tell you life imitates art. I mean, it does. It after the fact, certainly art and Hollywood influences culture, no question. But it always begins with reality, and then and then Hollywood is putting it out there. But well, um, yeah. So, last thing about of Chaos GPT again, it cannot carry out its its goals here. Right. Um, it you know humanity wasn't destroyed. It doesn't have dominance. You know, um, it hasn't attained immorality. Um, it, it is simply a script and can be powered off. But um, but yeah, this is this is concerning. Yeah, concerned. I mean, you're right. Uh, good reminder that this is just sort of a proof of concept thing. But the very fact that somebody would conceive of such a tool shows you that there's some pretty evil people out there uh, thinking through some of these things. And uh, and then again, to call it chaos GPT. Um, but yeah, well, it's uh, it's you know, I'm I'm thankful that. Uh, <laughs> Thankful that we know the Lord. Um, and listen, if you're listening to this program today and some of this stuff has kind of caused you to go, wait a minute, what is this, you know, 1984 or something, you know, well, you need to get your spiritual house in order first because this stuff is happening rapidly. Uh, and, you know, it, it, there's going to come a time when uh, the Lord raptures the church, those who know the Lord by faith, and those left behind, if you think it's bad now, 
you know, you don't want to know what it's like when you're left behind. So the Bible is very clear that everyone's a sinner. You're born dead in your trespasses and sins. Um, you know, uh, everyone from Adam forward is a sinner, and the penalty for that sin is eternal separation from God and a literal place of torment called hell after you die. And the only way to overcome that penalty is to accept the payment that was made on your behalf by Jesus Christ, God's Son and our Savior, who died and rose again uh, for your personal uh, sins on the cross. And uh, when he rose again, he defeated death, hell, and the grave, and he now offers freely to all, completely free, as a free gift. That's what grace is. It means free gift, uh, eternal life to anyone who will accept it from him. How do you accept that free gift? Simply by placing your faith in Jesus Christ and him alone as the only one who can save you. You have to abandon your faith in anything else. You can't be good enough. You can't, you know, be religious enough. There's no nothing you can do in and of yourself to overcome that penalty. But if you simply accept it by faith from Jesus Christ, the Son of God, who died and rose again for your sins, you can be saved. So I hope that you'll do that today. Shane, any closing thoughts? Just, uh, I just want to agree with everything you you said. Um, this is a spiritual battle. Um, the tools of the enemy have, have been used the entire time of human history. So in some ways, we we really shouldn't be too surprised by these stories, um, but we do need to be aware of it. Um, and it is simply a part of God's plan for the ages. Um, I, I like something, I believe it was Dr. Tony Evans who said this. He said, Satan's a devil, but he is God's devil. And and so even though these elites and, and others are um, thinking and doing horrific things, um, they are still subject to the Lord. And there will be a, a reckoning one day, and God is going to set things right. We know that from Scripture. So so even though there's certainly some heaviness in much of what we discuss in, on, on episodes like this, don't lose heart. God's in control. And let's be clear. AI is no match for Jesus. Absolutely. I, I make that point abundantly clear in uh, in that chapter six of the new book. But uh, yeah, remember Proverbs where we started, uh, you know, the wicked is banished in his wickedness, but the righteous has a refuge in his death. So we know who wins uh, in the end, uh, to be sure. Well, folks, uh, uh, be sure and come out uh, this weekend to our uh, uh, uh conference there in Fort Collins. If you're in uh, the front range area of Colorado, uh, if not, we will post the videos as soon as I can. I'll be speaking twice. Uh, uh, I'll be speaking on Saturday on why Bible prophecy matters now more than ever. And then later that same day, I'll be speaking on Spirit of the False Prophet, hacking and tracking humanity and discussing a lot of the stuff that Shane and I touched on today. And then on Sunday, I'll be speaking on transhumanism and the gender surrender movement. Um, but if we can help with anything, if you'd like more information about uh, how to have eternal life or, or any anything at all, please feel free to reach out to us at 1-800-895-1851. 1-800-895-1851, or you can reach us at notbyworks.org. Check out the new store. Uh, really proud of that. It's it's a long time coming, and it's just kind of you know one more way that we're reinvesting uh, what God has blessed us with and, and the stewardship that he is increasing here in our ministry. We're trying to uh, kind of put it back into the ministry and help reach more people with the gospel, the, the clarity, accuracy, and urgency of the gospel. So God bless everyone. Uh, have a great uh, week uh, weekend ahead, and we look forward to talking with you next week.